1: Welcome to Sundance 2022 Screen Talk, the very first day of the festival as we record here. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson for our second annual virtual Sundance, hopefully the last one, so we can return to some semblance of normalcy in a year. But I have to say, Ann, as usual, with all of this hybrid and virtual stuff that we've adapted to, we are busier than ever. It's not like just because you're at home, you're not in festival mode. I know
0: you and I both have very long queues. We're very lucky, we're very fortunate that we have links and screeners to watch. Um, I've been plowing through mostly documentaries in my case. Um, I think you've probably seen more. So let's start off uh, with the press conference this morning. Um, The Tabitha Jackson, uh, the new head of Sundance, the executive director, uh, Joanna Vicente, made introductory remarks. Um, we know her well. She's been in New York for years as an indie producer, and, built, and she was at... Uh, I want to say film independent but it was the uh, new york P. version of now it Thank you. <laughs> god forbid i get the wrong name and and she also obviously was at tiff for a few years there so uh and she also experienced um you know firsthand uh the challenges of the pandemic uh, at tiff so now she's in you know <laughs> landing in in the in the soup again uh as uh, sundance had to make a very dramatic and some people think uh late pivot. The the reason uh, people are really upset, I, I don't know if you have any friends, I have some friends who who are going to Sundance because they couldn't get the money back on yeah. their condos. Actually, so they're going to go ski. I
1: mean, I've talked to some filmmakers who, who are there. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the Sundance scene in Park City is like. Now they're the, going to well, have some
0: fun. I can tell yeah, already there's going to be in, some condo in, parties. Uh, yeah, going. well,
1: I hope not too intensely because it is still a COVID hotspot. But Um, I do think that the the late pivot is not um, up for debate. I mean, it's objectively true that this happened really late in the game. It was decided much later than it was last year. And I feel for the people who had to go through with that hesitating and so forth. But a lot of people lost. But we're money. not the
0: only company that lost yep. money on this. No,
1: a lot of people couldn't get refunds and so forth. I did say last week and I meant it The people who are complaining they couldn't get refunds on their passes. I mean, ultimately, what you're getting in terms of your money's worth is the opportunity to take advantage of all the same virtual options that everybody else has. Many yes, I'm a little annoyed
0: by the people else. on on Twitter who are sort of like, I got screwed, I didn't get my money back. Yeah, I you can watch your, every your, movie. Your, your past is
1: giving you a ton of access, although it is a challenge for some people to figure out the system. You know, even I had some technical problems this week trying to figure things out. But if you force yourself into the mindset of making this virtual festival work through for some of us, the muscle memory we have of, of working at a big festival like Sundance. There's a lot that you can do with it on many different levels from a social level, as well as from exploring the program. So I do think the the pivot to virtual while late was the right thing to do. And also very viable because it worked well last year and could work but very they well. Had
0: it, they had, um, I mean, whatever the, the trigger, you know, what, what, um, Tabitha Jackson said it was that it was a very difficult thing to do and a very easy thing to do in the sense that they were prepared for it as soon as the, uh, I guess what she was saying was that as soon as the, um, the the stats told them what they had to do they did it, but um, Yeah, I don't know, I, could, I mean I the stats
1: were pretty weeks bad a few weeks ago too. I'm,
0: I know, that's the so, thing and we talked about this last week, there was pressure pressure on yeah. them too. But to I, but forward.
1: Tabitha Jackson does an extraordinary job of speaking to the underlying values of the festival and and being in this artist first organization not you know really being attuned to the needs of the market and i think that message while we we dispute some aspects of it sometimes because of the market activity at sundance is what keeps it going to some degree you know that these these films are basically in many situations not going to have a life without some sort of festival platform. And so what they've been able to sustain is some measure of an ability to introduce them to the world, whether that's audiences in 50 states who have passes or it's buyers or whatever. So Sunday, it still ends up having an impact through this virtual component. And I don't think they've lost that.
0: I think it totally is going to have an impact. Um, And there's also the the real... (laughs) I often end up here, um, and, and it was interesting. At the end, you got a question, in, uh, Eric always yes. got to ask a question at the <laughs> I they, asked a few yeah. of them so, actually. So she, so uh, Tavitha, one of them. <laughs> yeah, Tabitha basically, you know, defaulted to to the. But, but but what I'm what I'm where I'm going is that in the end, I believe Sundance is a discovery film festival. Um, in the you know in the final analysis, right. what are the agents looking for? What are the producers looking for? What are the executives looking for? What are we looking for? We're all looking for that moment of discovery. Whether it's Ben Zeitlin's *Beasts of the Southern Wild* or Ryan Coogler's *Fruitvale Station*, as she mentioned uh, in answer to your question, and of course that's the farm team. That's the lifeblood that feeds the rest of the industry. Yeah. No matter how uh, challenging the two-hour narrative movie uh, world ri- is right now, um, it's going to feed uh, the next Station Eleven. It's going to feed uh, the next series. It's not just films anymore. It's it's yeah. a whole ecosystem that's still getting fed by Discovery.
1: And hopefully there, there is a sincerity to the way it feeds the system in the sense that you have people who are pretty good at what they're doing and not just filling a particular need like oh hey I have this IP that's available. How, how about this director who just had their debut at Sendance? it's more like, oh this director who had their debut at Sendance already has another script maybe these three financiers would like to exactly
0: to right play. and, and really if people exactly and if people are looking for women directors which they are very assiduously this gives them a whole new crop of talent uh to choose from and and they're going to go out um into the world that's that's why sundance is the most important gatekeeper um in our in our industry it's a huge huge deal so tell us about uh, the other the other thing is that there's um as they talked about there's um, uh, social uh aspects of sundance. We're not all oh alone in our living room. So Erica, share us, share with us the opportunities uh for Avatar uh communing on the space. I'm gonna bring
1: you in this year. You're gonna you're gonna be I a free headset. No, you don't. That's a great thing. You actually don't for this uh, even last year that uh, you didn't either the the this bespoke platform that Sundance has built uh through with the new frontier section um there's a there's a few different environments where you can create an avatar on your computer as long as you're accredited all you need is a 25 dollars explorer pass and those don't sell out so this is a pretty accessible opportunity you can create this little avatar walk around this area called film party which has different portals that you walk into some of those portals go to private gatherings one of them goes to the new frontier gallery where you can actually access different interactive um, media and what i like about it i mean i'm obviously like a big proponent of VR as a social uh gateway to think to kind of social experience you can't do IRL because you can be around people who might not be able to get to you anyway and that's been a big deal during COVID. What I like about this one is that it actually does replicate the Sundance experience of running into people the organic nature of it. Uh last year I walked around with my avatar in this thing called Film Party which is like a a 3d bar basically there's a little bar at the center of the room and anybody can walk up to you and when they when they move their avatar up to you there's a little Zoom window where your face is so you can see the other person and you can hear them and you have a little bubble where you can talk. And so you can find people that you know and talk to them. But I was approached by people I didn't know, you know, film film students from other parts of the country who had never been to Sundance before, who had bought passes and were watching movies. And I think that aspect of it is a huge illustration of what's possible here and, you know, how you turn that into a business model is a totally different question, but I do think that it, it captures something that's really cool, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people, when they hear about this, if they're not, you know, interested in video games or they they, they think it's like something too weird or uncomfortable for them, and they don't give it a try, and I think that that lack of open mindedness is just missing out on a huge piece of the equation and something really incredible that's been built here that. You know is no, that I will, I will definitely people.
0: try. I'll go look for you, Eric. Uh, yeah. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through I, it. I don't
0: get enough. No, yeah, yeah. So, um, what have you been able to see any of the actual uh content though? Uh, uh yeah. Sherry was talking about this uh dancer uh doing DIY. Yeah, um, she work. was
1: Shari Freelo, who, who programs New Frontier and has for 16 years. You know, it's been this really important new media curator, and uh, she was referring to something called Cosmogony, which is a live dance performance with motion capture dancers. That kind of work is amazing because in this virtual space, you can watch dancers do things with scale and images uh, as they perform that you wouldn't be able to see them do in real life. There's also a lot of really great um, VR installation works. Uh, There's one that I saw called Dream in My Bones that imagines uh, a world in which your dreams are actually located inside your bones and takes you inside those Ooh. dreams visually in this fantastic
0: really voyage.
1: Yeah. The, the experimental work being done in VR is, is really mind blowing and, and international in scope, but you have to be, you know, in possession of some of the technology to take advantage of it, which is sort of a, a, an interesting challenge. But the the programming there goes well beyond VR. There's there's a an NFT based um mystery thriller of some sort with with ai characters apparently i haven't had a chance to fully dig into that yet but those that kind of programming is really cool i think because it captures a totally different side of creativity than you know the traditional feature-length film and it is possible to be appreciative of both you know they, they they tend to be seen as siloed like the new frontier crowd doesn't talk to the feature film crowd necessarily but the reality is that it's all part of the same kind of impulse it's just one requires more of a learning curve to understand. So if people do have the opportunity to go into those spaces and they can get to New Frontiers, walk around, because some of that stuff like cosmogony, which is a live performance, you can see without a headset. So some of that curation you can appreciate in, the, in that respect but I will say I've seen a lot of movies too. I didn't forget about that side of the equation. Yeah, me I too. Given up me too. On
0: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out some titles. Um, so we're in a little bit of a, a, a situation where, um, so we're, we're recording on Thursday. Uh, you're going to hear this on Friday or whenever you do hear it. Uh, so we have to re- respect some of the embargo dates. Erica has seen some of the yeah. opening night ones. So I'm going to just say that there are some docs not to miss. I'm just going to say, check them out. I would say the big titles so far, uh, as far as i've been able to gather whether whether i'm telling you i've seen it or not you know you you can make your own guess but wink wink it's jihad rehab is, is definitely uh worth checking out um i know um the four part we need to talk about cosby is is a big title uh the yep. desi and lucy doc uh the descendant uh, from margaret brown um and yep. Fire of Love. The word on the street I can tell you is about Fire of of, of Love. Which is an if, opening
1: night selection and one of the ones I haven't seen. I've seen a bunch of Oh, so
0: I can thing, talk so. about Fire of Love. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna It'll tell be, you good. this is f- Amazing, because it's this um, couple of volcanologists, and it tracks them through the years who were shooting constantly and taking lots of pictures. They were in love. They were in love partly because they shared an obsession with getting very close to volcanoes. So you're seeing this amazing footage of pulsing, burning, and you see this guy like putting his foot down on a on a molten coal and watching it explode. You know, and you see things falling near them that could hurt wow. them and kill them and of course um you know it, it isn't i'm not it's not a spoiler uh to suggest to you that that, that their obsession killed them but it is um an amazing uh, movie so you should definitely check that out <laughs> I hope that's and not then, a spoiler <laughs> no i don't think so and then the other um uh other one is downfall the rory kennedy uh movie about boeing um and what they w- how this trusted uh uh, airplane manufacturer ended up, uh, allowing, uh, for the deaths of the, all the people that went up on this remodeled plane. Well, so I gotta see that. that Cause,
1: uh, we, we moved to Seattle when I was a kid because my dad worked at Boeing. So wow. that my, my, my family, that's a Netflix project. Is that right? Yep. And if you're
0: into, if you're into, um, uh, I, I'm not the right, uh, I'm not the target audience uh, for Meet Me in the Bathroom, but uh, folks who love 90s, uh, you know, New York um, well,
1: early aughts, right? I mean, that this was, I, I remember this era too, was the Strokes and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like that would be a fun I book. go
0: back to the Ramones yeah. and Patty Smith.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that <laughs> Sorry. Well, CBGBs think, is me. <laughs> well, Please Kill Me was the book that captured that era. And, and then there was the book Meet Me in the Bathroom, which captured this one and then inspired the doc. So they feel simpatico in a way, this different generation. All right,
0: give us your yeah. opening night suggestions. Yeah, I, or... I've seen a
1: few of them. So, um, uh, the, I'm curious uh, about the
0: Jesse Eisenberg the Jesse the When Eisenberg you finish Saving the World movie.
1: So that's yeah he, Jesse's directorial debut um, Which Emma Stone Produced as part of her new production company uh, Is really A really charming and, and Sort of surprising character study With Julianne Moore as a, a woman who works at a domestic abuse Shelter and she has this Sort of spoiled brat of a son Played by Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things who uh, doesn't get along with his mom he has a fan a fandom online because he's a musician and he thinks that's all he needs to do to kind of prove himself to the world um and the mother develops this unhealthy fixation on a teenager she's helping at the shelter um, to almost like idealize him as the son that you know, this is mother-son relationship that she doesn't have at home um so it's a really surprising kind of story and it's you know i suppose uh, an extension of Eisenberg's worldview of sort of wrestling with issues of of, of privilege and, and coming from an upper class uh, white background and what 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 it means to try to have impact um, within those boundaries when you try to extend beyond them is uh, fascinating to watch. Um, I think it would be a big crowd pleaser, but in in person attendance. But I, but the one that would really be the big opening night Echoes film is Emergency, and this is a film from a director named Kerry uh, Williams. Who was actually in Sundance Virtual last year with um, a screen life film called R.J. It was Romeo and Juliet, sort of through phones and stuff. This is not that at all. This is a uh, pretty big budget Amazon produced comedy um, about uh, two, these two black friends who um, discover in their on their college campus before they go out partying that there's a drunk white woman passed out in their uh, apartment and they don't know what to do about it. They're afraid to call the cops for obvious and unfortunate reasons. And what happens is this sort of dark comedy over the course of one night where they try to figure out, you know, how do they get this woman back to wherever she came from without ruining the, their, their their lives, ruining their career ambitions. And it sort of has like a super bad quality, but with a more you know sort of impactful milieu to it. And uh, the way in which it deals with these the, these very specific race conflicts uh, between younger people is is fascinating because it's willing to be funny about them. So that that's another one. And then I will say there's a there's a third opening night film uh, in the New Frontier section from director Sam Green, great documentary filmmaker, called Thirty Two Sounds. So, so Sam Green is a
0: performance is, piece, right? Is,
1: Sort of. So last year, he had a piece in New Frontier called Seven Sounds, which you could actually do on your phone. Uh, It was mostly non-visual. It had a little visual at the beginning, but then mostly you would just listen to him talk about different kinds of sounds and then play them for you. Uh, This is 32 sounds, so it's a Sort of it, uh, pr- uh, presentation of these different sounds with a musical uh, accompaniment and his voiceover. Um, I don't believe he's doing it entirely as a live performance, but there is he a was way. He was going
0: to. do exactly. If there was
1: exactly at the Egyptian, the way they were going to do it was each seat was going to have headphones at it. Um, ah. In the film itself, it starts out by really pressuring you to watch it with headphones because there's a very sonic dimension to it. But it's just a it's just a fascinating sort of. Uh, audio visual immersion, but in feature form, in feature length format. So no, you don't need a headset or any of that crazy stuff uh, to appreciate what he's done there. So that's another really neat one. Um, but there's stuff all over the festival this year. I mean, the midnight movies that I've seen have been pretty strong. A lot of good first-time filmmakers. There's
0: a lot of genre work. I mean, a lot I'm of genre work, of even outside that. of midnight. So we uh, so we ran a story that um, uh, our our ace reporter Chris Lindahl did. There's two actually. One he he was laying out the 15 sort of big titles for sale, and and Call Jane is one of them. The the Phyllis Nage. Um, Movie or her directorial debut. She directs Elizabeth Banks as a Jane in in this uh, fictional uh, drama about um, a, a suburban Chicago woman who uh, her consciousness is basically raised through the course of, of the movie. And um, and I talked to um, to Phyllis because I loved Carol. I loved what she got nominated for. And uh, I want I was curious because what happens when it, with a situation like that with a writer like that uh, who gets Basically um, uh, elevated and, and and recognized for for her skills, is is that she becomes a, a piece of of a talent that everybody's chasing, and so she did the exact thing that I expected, which was to take lots and lots of assignments and collect some income and then eventually realized that she was going to have to really chase down a project if she wanted to direct and uh, this is the one that that came to her that that spoke to her and and she went for it so uh, that's one of the titles and Chris has quite a few more and then the other story he wrote about today is is the idea that the um, news teams uh, now that we have streaming at the different uh, studios uh, a, a place like Focus I, and, and uh, Peter Kajowski told me this a while ago, they not only get their movies, um, their nonfiction movies, especially uh, made at Focus, but they can go through Peacock and NBC News. And so Chris talks to NBC uh, executives about the, the some of the buying that's going to go on at Sundance is coming from from the from the news networks. So that's a new breakdown. yeah.
1: I mean, I, I feel like now that we're fully within this streaming universe, you know, it's no longer about what's coming. It's about this. This is just a new normal yeah if every every entity that is trying to reach the largest number of eyeballs possible is a potential Sundance buyer in some form which can surprise you you know it's it's only a matter of time before we see social networks buying Sundance movies right I mean it's, it just feels like if you are a powerful brand you need content in some sort of way that satisfies your agenda so I like the idea of the you know because there are so many docs that could be timely. I mean, you talk about something like Jihad Rehab or something like that, where it's, you know, it's a personal story, but then it also obviously has bigger resonance and it feels newsy or the Abigail Disney documentary that deals with wage disparity at Disney. I mean, these are things that you're not just talking about a creative object. You're talking about something that can, you know, facilitate conversation about timely subject matters. And so it it makes a lot of sense that they would come there with their pocketbooks open in that respect. So I'm fascinated by that. Another sales title that I think will generate conversation, and I'll be curious to see where it lands, is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. That's uh, Cooper Rafe's new film. And what's striking about it is that he's 24 years old, and his first film premiered at the canceled South by Southwest Film Festival when he was 22, Uh, and that was Shithouse. And they still had their juried competition, and he won the prize. Uh, now he's got, I think, an Amazon series coming in. So this guy's like sort of like when Lena Dunham broke out a few years ago. You're like, how the hell is he doing all this at this age? But it's a pretty big uh, movie with Dakota Johnson and, and a couple of other notable names. And so I think... Like if any buyer looking for a really accessible movie that can work for a, a wide array of audiences, they're going to be looking at something like this. That's not to say it's this year's coda. It doesn't have, it doesn't take off a representational box in the same sort of way. But I do think that's something to look out for. Movies like that, where people are, are looking at them, and they're like, I could totally see how to sell this to people. They don't have to think hard about it. So-
0: Well, the one, the one that looks like it's going to fit right into my- um oscar zone Let, let's put it that way the adult oriented quality uh, film that might end up in in the awards race is living um mm-hmm. which has uh, is adapting ikiru from kurosawa and uh and it stars bill nye and i cannot wait set in the 50s and uh, uh i that's one that has my name uh, written all over it um is there yeah. anything else that you're excited to see
1: I mean, I'm going to be watching things all weekend. I'm excited to see things that that aren't even on my radar yet. But I mean, a lot of the ones that you mentioned absolutely are, are are the kinds that, that I'm, I'm definitely going to be angling for i'll mention well one i've form. got i've
0: got second chance on my list which is oh yes. ramen Bar- you know, barani's I, I documentary that's worth watching.
1: i have seen that yeah um, and I, the I, cow I,
0: who sang into the future it seems to be an irresistible yeah, one the
1: yeah there's a lot of the international stuff that I, I was trying to figure out how best to answer your question but a lot of the international stuff sundance international program he has got much better in the time since I started going to the festival. Yeah. I, I think it, it's actually become a really good launch pad for films. that might be going to Berlin next or other um, even smaller European festivals. Uh, but, you know, there are, there are buyers who need international content, but also it's sort of a soft launch for certain kinds of films in a way that might play well to, a, to an English language audience, but doesn't spoil their international potential for other festivals and, and releases and so forth um so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dig deeper into the international lineup i also have started watching another netflix documentary you mentioned the the boeing thing there's also a kanye west um it's kind of a miniseries but it's not really a miniseries it's more like a, a trilogy of features because it's three parts and they're each feature length it's called genius and um, i've watched the first part i cannot wait to finish it because uh the two directors have been shooting Kanye West for over 20 years. Wow. Uh, and the footage starts in 98 and you, it, the moment you see it, uh, it's just jarring. And obviously Kanye has become this divisive figure in just the last few years, uh, even though a lot of people remember what he was like earlier on, their relationship to his work was much more powerful then. And I think it does so far a really good job of reminding you that he is this brilliant artist before delving deeper into the kind of complexities of his persona and so i'm excited to finish watching that one so and we got to figure out how we're going to hang out i'll send you some zoom links to the condo party i'm in
0: i am here. see you at the spaceship and exactly uh, uh...
1: <laughs> and anybody else who's listening who's doing this stuff you know dive in come find us it's, it's always fun to interact with people even if we're not you know on the, on the frigid streets of the park city so all right Anne, let's do this thing see you soon see you later